Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you, our listener, can feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me, one of my favorites, Daniel Krolik. Welcome back. The less than fascinating Daniel Krolik. Oh, I would never describe you as that, that's for sure. But uh, I'm glad that you do your best to be less than fascinating. It's not easy, let me tell you. I feel like... um, our episodes, I always listen back when I'm editing, thinking, wow, this is a really interesting episode anyways. Uh, Daniel, you're one of my most prolific, you're one of my friends who's the most prolific reader that I know. And I have a love for libraries and books. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about authors and some of your favorite authors. Terrific. So is there an author that you would recommend to listeners who don't read much and they're getting into reading? I think I think reading is such a personal thing to do, Marco. Okay. Um, so I, I'm always very cautious about my recommendations. Okay. Because my, and what I like personally, uh, might not transfer to somebody else, but I can... Uh, I, I mean, I can I can talk about the authors that I'm passionate about, sure. that I really love. I can talk about things that I personally have read that have made an impact on me. Of course. Um, he, I, here's why I say this, Daniel. You bought a book for my wife for Christmas. I think it was for Christmas or her birthday years ago. Was this the Neapolitan yes, book? Yes. Yeah. The, the beautiful, my beautiful friend. My brilliant friend. My, sorry, my brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Of course, you're my brilliant friend. So you, you You're you my brilliant friend. Um she read that book. She could not put it down. I know. She could not put it down. And then it's a series of four books. It's a tetralogy, which is four. Four yes. books. And she I've never seen anyone devour books. And then she read the last book and she just cried for a week. I Daniel. was the same way. Yeah. And so I always think of you, it's like if there's anyone who knows what kind of book to give as a gift, it's Daniel. Well, I know Amanda very well. Right. So that's... You know that's that's a little bit personal. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first author that I ever really attached myself to, and it's funny because uh, I love Glenn Close so much, but the first author I attached myself to was John Irving, and the first adult work 
of fiction that I had ever read in the eighth grade was The World According to Garth. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I had my parents' copy, so it had the, you know, it was the copy from the 1970s where the book was, when the when the book came out. Sure. Uh, and I remember reading it every Every lunch, every every lunch hour at school, uh, after school on the bus home, I would I would read the world according to God. Wow, because yeah. it, is it a big book? Because his books can be very big, very, dense, yeah, right? like very okay. I mean, he gets compared to Dickens a lot, so okay. very Dickensian. Um, and also, he uh, he eventually settled in Toronto. So in his later books, at I, least, I didn't know that. Um, That's where we're recording right now. Yes, yep. yeah. So in his later books, at least, not so much with Garp or New Hampshire or Owen Meany, uh, but the characters very often end up in Toronto. Oh wow! Yeah. So you have a personal connection to his I work do. as well. I do. I haven't really read too much of his later pe- uh, of his later works. Okay. Uh, but I mean, when I was younger, the world according to Garp, the cider house rules, a prayer for Owen Meany, wow. the Hotel New Hampshire made big, big, big dents on my psyche. Uh, who, who else, as far as authorship, has had an impact on you? Such an mm. awkward way I phrased no, no, that. No. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually physically moving my hand in a, a very uh, awkward gesture as well. Uh I haven't read everything by him, but mm. Jonathan Franzen, okay, for sure, who is very polarizing at times and very controversial at times. Was he the author who did not want to be yes. on Oprah's? Yes, he was. Okay. Yes, he certainly was. Oprah had a book club, and I think she wanted one of his books to be on, and then he said no, and then he ended up having a different book on her book club. Yes, yeah. yes, but I have read... Uh, and. In terms of, I mean, he's written a lot of essays and a lot of short pieces, but he hasn't written too, too many um, novels, but The Corrections and Freedom, I, I both destroyed me. Wow. Both I thought were really wonderful. Authors that make you laugh. Uh, I'll give you a second to think of that. I'll tell you who some of no, my... No, I mean, it's, it is a bit of a cliche, but David Sedaris... Oh, that's who I was going to say. For sure. And I didn't think I would like his work. He's Be- so easy to read. Because I was listening to an audiobook, and I got one of his audiobooks. And as soon as he started reading, I was like, this isn't for me. Mm. But I remember people saying it was his, his work was so <clears throat> great. So I, I sort of gave it more of a chance. And then I had to read all. I, had to, I think I listened to all his books because he does a great job. In, in his audio, yeah, and, as and well. he's he's quite funny because when you listen to him, he's so uh, he's so gentlemanly when he speaks, and he's from so, he's from South Carolina, so there's a, there's a hint of the gentility about him, the Southern gentility, sure. But especially uh, his early pieces mm-hmm. like Barrel Fever and Naked, um, they're so savage and they're so profane. So there's this weird gap between how almost disgusting his material is, right. and how classy and sophisticated his voice sounds. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that. Favorite Canadian authors? Embarrassingly, I'm not too big on Ken Litt. Okay. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a Montreal Jew, mm-hmm. so I'd be remiss if I wouldn't say Mordecai Richler. Okay. And See, I have, his stuff never spoke to me. Oh, his stuff hits me right in the gut. And we <clears> read it in our... And possibly it's because we read it in school. What did you have to read? We had to read... Um, uh, Duddy Kravitz? Duddy Kravitz, yeah. yes. Yes, that's what we had to read. Mm-hmm. And it just did not speak to me. And and yet, I have friends, my contemporaries, my, my contemporaries who aren't Montrealers, yeah. 
um, love his work in particular, uh, Harvey's vision. Is that Harvey's? Barney's version. Sorry. Barney's version. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you can tell I'm a big fan of uh, Mordecai Richler's. What about Atwood? I would see you as a, as a fan of Atwood. I haven't picked up and, you know, she has this big resurgence right now with right. the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale and sure. the television show. But I haven't I haven't picked up Margaret Atwood since I was in high school, probably, mm-hmm. or, or university. So I'm, I think I'm well overdue. She's someone I love following on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We mentioned in an earlier episode to follow Glenn Close on Instagram. But I find Margaret Atwood on Twitter. So smart. Uh, so profound. So um, smart. I remember so when I first moved to Toronto... She was on the cover of Now Magazine, and it was the best of Toronto issue. Right. And I looked at it, and I said, what is Rhea Perlman doing on the cover of Now Magazine? Right. Because they have, the, I guess, the similar hair. They right. have, like, the large... The dense curls, yeah. I guess. So I was totally convinced that Rhea Perlman, for some reason, was uh, was on the cover of the Toronto Weekly. I met Margaret Atwood at a party one time that I was working at, mm-hmm. and uh, we needed her to write a poem and so she had prepared a poem like everyone who was at the yep. party had to prepare. I may have told this story on our podcast before <clears throat> and so everyone was to to write a poem for the guest of honor and she had forgot hers at home and so one of the people I was working with said to her oh okay that's fine she goes it's okay just grab me a piece of paper she sat at the bar and she just scribbled a poem and it was actually a dog roll and uh, it was actually a what? a dog roll I don't know what that is. It is a type A of um, oh, I would need the definition, but it's kind of a poem in. Uh, it's prose dedicated to a person. Okay. So if oh, I was to write like like a little send up of you, um, it would be a dog roll. It dog roll also follows a certain sort of um, like a haiku, like a, a scansion. Yeah, it okay. follows something. I'm I'm so the wrong person to be talking about this no, right I'm now. No, I'm fascinated. But, but uh, yeah. Um, I know this is supposed to be a less than fascinating conversation, no, but I'm fascinated. It's always when I do it with you. It's always fast. In fact, when I listen to your podcast, I'm always fascinated too, um, and I learn so much. But she just scribbled some lines on a page, and her penmanship is awesome. Oh, okay. and I was the one who got to read it. Oh, and it was it was so great. Oh wow, it was so so great. And then I took the dog roll, and I kept it, and then I accidentally shredded oh, in my no. shredder. Yeah. Because um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, was a fan, and I was going to frame it for her, but instead I shredded. Oh. So that's what happened to that. Well, so it wasn't meant to be. I shouldn't have taken it. It was okay. sacred sacred writings. Our lives I, are littered with with, mm-hmm. uh, with things like that. Uh, current author that you're really uh, enjoying? Uh, I try to read as much as I can from different authors, so I try to leave gaps of, of going back to authors that I love. Um, I, I really, I, I really love, I've only read two of her books, but I really love Meg Wolitzer, okay. uh, who wrote, I've, I've, uh, again, it all comes back to Glenn. Uh, she wrote The Wife. So she wrote the novel, okay. The Wife, that was, was eventually, based. yes. Okay. Um, but I, the two books that I read from her were The, Inter- uh, the Interestings, mm-hmm. uh, which is about a group of teenagers who meet at an arts summer camp and you follow them through adulthood. Uh, and the female persuasion, which which is a book about um, sec- uh, second wave feminists, okay, uh, and the pratfalls, the the joys and in, in, in pratfalls and and barriers of of feminism in the in the late twentieth century. Did you read the wife before you saw the movie? I haven't read it. 
Oh, you haven't read no. The Wife? Okay. No, I so, know it exists, and it's by this author. Author that you um, do like. Okay, but the, so. the two that I have read of Meg Willits are Worthy okay. Interestings uh, and The Female Persuasion. Has there been a book that you've read that has gone to film that you thought they did a great job of? Uh, I I loved My Brilliant Friend. Okay. When we watched, and I think you you have seen it as well. I saw it. Yeah. 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 And it's... you're Italian, so you probably have a a, a harsher critical eye uh, about that project than I do. Well, yes, because yes, only in such that I love the Neapolitan dialect, mm-hmm. and they would have had to have made that. They made it into a uh, movie of the of a uh, serial on yes. um, HBO. HBO, yeah. and. If there's one thing Italian film directors can do brilliantly, it's that uh, Italian neorealism. And I felt like the series For fell, sure. fell into that, and they did a brilliant job. I can't wait to see the subsequent follow-up. I can't wait. I thought it was beautifully done. I don't even know. And I haven't read the books, but each book was told to me in depth by my wife. <laughs> so I feel like I've read the book. Books. I don't know what's going to happen when, when I won't tell you what happens at the end, but I don't know what's going to happen when the last uh, book is filmed. I don't know, and my heart is already breaking. That's all sure. I'll say with regards to that. Uh, I, if we're talking about authors, I do want to talk about um, the book that I have probably gifted the most. Oh, I love this, which I haven't actually gifted your wife yet. Okay. Um, it's and it's a little bit hard to find because it's in and out of print, but it's called Was. Mm-hmm. By Jeff Ryman, who is an Australian, uh, I don't want to say fantasy author, but but possibly. Sure. He's not that prolific. Um, but it's it's a book that's set in three different eras. And each each story has to do with somebody who is connected to the Wizard of Oz. Oh, cool. Yeah. So so there's one story that's about uh, Dorothy Gale. But it's 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 about um, how terrible her and this is all fictionalized. So right. It's not okay. based in reality, but it's about the orphan Dorothy Gale coming over to Kansas. Her parents both died of, of uh, I think, cholera. Sure. Um, and it's about her hard scrabble life with Auntie M and Uncle Henry. And Auntie M is this Christian zealot. Right. Uh, and Uncle Henry. Abu- OK, fair know. enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, eventually she finds herself uh, in an English class, uh, a classroom, and L. Frank Baum is her substitute teacher. Okay. So so it's the L. Frank Baum character who gives her the life of Dorothy that wow. he wants for her. So that's one plot thread. The other plot thread is um, how Frances Gum eventually became Judy Garland. Oh, wow. And it's about seeing Judy on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Um and the third plot thread is about this actor in the 1980s who is um, sick with AIDS and who is dying from AIDS and who calls himself the Scarecrow and who goes back to Kansas to look for the house that Dorothy lived in. Oh, wow. What is the name of this book again? Was. Was. W-A-S. And it's out of print. But I, it sounds like it'd make I a think, great film. I think it's too. findable. Okay. Yeah. Um, it um, sounds like it'd be, be a great stage Stage adaptation. They were working on a stage adaptation, but I think Wicked beat them to it. Oh, okay. And I don't know if it's oh, still being pursued. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's too bad. Because I, I see it more along the lines of an Angels in America type yeah. uh, show versus a musical in that it has three distinct storylines that yeah. you can cut back and forth. And it's to. not a, it's not a large book. I think it's only maybe 300 pages, mm. um, but it's epic in terms of its mm. scope. Uh, speaking of Judy Garland, do you mind if I take a little Liza Minnelli detour here? How could I mind? Okay. How? So have you ever seen Liza Minnelli perform? 
No. Okay. No, and I, I, I kind of don't even want to because I want to see her perform in the 1970s. I don't want to see her perform now. Okay, so I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not someone who, you know, I, I can appreciate her work, but she's not someone I would go see sure. yeah. on any given day. But I had the opportunity to see her in a concert with a various artists. I don't know if you remember Luciano Pavarotti did all these like um I could listen I could listen to you say his name all day. <laughs> okay. All day. He did a, a concert series with various artists for the uh charity called War Child. So this was back in the yeah. late 90s early 2000s uh-huh. kind of thing. If I'm not mistaken. So I had the opportunity to go to one of those con- concerts in and Toronto I, or somewhere No, else? this was he did them all in Modena, Italy. And where the balsamic vinegar uh, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is from, and uh, and where he's from, and I got to go to the res- the rehearsal, and I watched her perform the rehearsal, and she was fantastic. And then I got to watch the actual concert, and I've never seen I've only seen a few people as charismatic, as professional, as wonderful, as powerful, as amazing as. Like, all the things you'd want and more. And she actually, I saw her save Pavarotti in that moment because he got off the lyrics. Like, he didn't know where he was. Do you remember what was, they were singing? Yeah, they were singing um, New York, New York, which I know she could sing. Oh, I have seen the, I have seen the video of this. And he I was have, just, he yeah. was just, he didn't know where he was. And she was just like, don't worry, I got you. And she just picked him up and sang it and was like, I'm in control now. It was, I mean, she is show business. Yeah. When, when you think of... She's show business in the in the most traditional sense. When people say she's a star, it was in that moment that I knew she was a star. It was a performance I will never forget. There is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can watch an episode uh, for Oprah's final season. Okay. They did like a behind the scenes uh, reality show of what of behind the scenes at Oprah's final season. Oh, I didn't season. know this. I remember they went to Australia. That's all I really remember about the final season. But there's okay. you can watch the whole thing on YouTube, but there's an episode where uh, they have Liza on one of Oprah's final shows. Okay. And the entire episode is just PAs telling Liza not to smoke backstage. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's something I have to tell you before we record. Sure. Um Back to authors. Sorry, yes. I took that little um, Liza. Oh, DJ. back to back to authors. Okay, uh, I recently purchased. I haven't read it yet, um, but a book that details. Uh, it's written by Lorna Luft, who is Ju- uh, who is Liza's half sister. Okay, uh, which which is uh, which is all about um, the behind the scenes of the Judy Star is Born, which was a very fraught and difficult production. Oh. And I really look forward to reading it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was going to bring me to my next question. Who's, who Do you read autobiographies or biographies? Yeah. I mean, mostly showbiz stuff, but oh, I do. No, fair enough. Yeah. Some that have resonated with you because I love listening to autobiographies mm-hmm. or biographies. And I do love ones. I just listened to one that was a real disappointment. Which one? I don't even know if I should say it, but I will. Okay. Trigger warning. Sally Field's biography oh, no. made me oh. dislike a performer that I really liked. Why? For it didn't it didn't resonate with me. She seemed like she and I listened to her read it and maybe if I would have read it off the page it would have been different. She she comes across to me as very complainy and whiny and ungrateful. And she she glosses over a couple of things that I think were key, which was 
her Academy Award acceptance speech where she says, you like me, you really like she me. She glossed over it? She, she said, and I won an oh. Academy Award and then went to the next thing. Her work with the people that she worked with in, what's that movie? It's Not Coming to Me, Dolly Parton. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Um, the movie she did, Now It's Not Coming to Me either with Robin Williams where he's Mrs. Doubtfire. She doesn't talk about those films at all, which were films that had impact. Does she talk about Soap Dish? No. I love Soap Dish. Well, there you go. So she talks about some films, and then she goes into her life, of course. But I think she wrote the book more for herself than the people reading it, is mm-hmm. all I'll say. But anyways, that's enough of me slamming Sally Field, because she's such a wonderful performer. I don't want to give people the bad impression there. Yeah. Read it for yourself. And she's, also, and she's also somebody who the older she gets. I mean, I think this is true of all of us, mm-hmm. but the older that she gets, the more interesting a performer she becomes. Agreed. But tell me about your favorite. I'm going to talk about... Two. Great. One is a biography and one is an autobiography. Wonderful. The biography I'm going to talk about is, I think it's, I read it, I read it a few years ago, uh, Being the Music, which is um, the Madeline Kahn biography. Oh, I've heard someone yeah. else say it's great. And you know what, Bill, uh, my co-host, Bill just read it. He, I read it a few years ago. He said he just, just read, it read it on your podcast. That's how I know. It's yeah. really wonderful. Okay. And it really paints a very part, and the author, uh, Madeline, she passed away in 2000. Mm-hmm. Like, too soon, yeah. So too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the author never met her, unfortunately, but he paints such a vivid picture of what she was like, and you right. really get a full, full sense of how special she was. Um, and the other one is uh, the autobiography is Swoozy Curses oh, autobiography, really? which is tell us for those who don't know who she is. You would little... know, uh, you would know her from the television show Sisters in the mm-hmm. 1990s. She's, I mean, she's been in everything. Yeah. She was on Pushing Daisies. Uh, she was in Dangerous Liaisons with Glenn. I didn't even know that. Uh, she was in Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. She's a wonderful performer. Terrific. Really Stanley, Stanley and Iris. But she's also, she's somebody who I think we take for granted a little bit. And she's never had um, like a defining career role, Okay, I guess. Um but the, the book is about, I mean, it, it covers her career very vividly, mm-hmm. uh, but it all, it's also about her uh, becoming the caregiver of her mother. Oh, wow. Yeah, in her later years. Wow, that's And she's an only child. So, Some of the biographies that I really appreciated. Yes. Um, and here's the thing. I will listen to a biography. I love to listen to biographies on long drives. Mm-hmm. So I will just, if it's a biography and I don't even know or care that much about the person, I will pick it up and listen to it. So, and and sometimes I find those to be the best ones. So Judy Dench did a biography. I had no idea. It's, I can't remember the name. It's something like, and then some, or something like, it's not called okay. that. It's, I'm, Anyways, look up Judy Dench's biography. I think it's an autobiography because she does she reads it herself. It is great. It is funny, and it made me appreciate her as a performer so much more after reading it. Oh no way! Uh, same with um, Jane Fonda. I've heard so much about Jane Fonda's book. I thought she. I thought you know, as a performer, I enjoyed her or whatever. And then I read her book, and I was like, oh, this is great. Or and then she read the book to me, and I really enjoyed mm. it. Yeah. Wow. I can tell you one that I was disappointed sure, by. Sure, sure. Uh, because, you know, you said you were disappointed mm-hmm. by Sally's. I was disappointed, and she has two, mm-hmm. and I only read the first one. But I was disappointed by Angelica Houston's. Really? Yeah. 
Okay. I found it very indulgent. She just wrote a new one, didn't she? Or she just wrote it? She wrote the second. The second. And the second part, I think, is all the Hollywood stuff, the Jack Nicholson stuff and all of that. But the first one is mostly about her childhood and her teenage years. Okay. uh, And I was let down by that. Mm -hmm. Any classic writer that you're a fan of? What is classic? I don't know. Like um, like, like the big big names, like... um, Dickens and people like that. I haven't I, read a lot of Dickens. Okay. I read Great Expectations a few years ago. I had to read that in school. I didn't enjoy it. I think yeah. all my school reading I never really enjoyed. I mean, it's not classic, but I have read a lot of Philip Roth. Okay. Who, uh, I mean, he died uh, only a few years ago, but he, he's been prolific since like the 1960s, I think. Sure. I, d- I don't know if that constitutes a classic. I don't sure. think it does. What about playwrights? I mean, reading a play is not an experience for everybody. Sure. Because plays are meant to be heard mm-hmm. and seen. Uh, uh, but I mean, you could read you could read something like Angels in America, which right. we talked about, which is so verbose and so literate, and you could read it like a like a novel. And and it's again the dialogue in something like Angels in America is so dense. So I think um, it might even benefit from from reading it sure you know because it's there's so much happening uh there's so much happening there um or even something like august osage county by tracy letts because it is so epic and there are so many characters and i think something like that you might also benefit from from reading or uh all good sorry yeah uh uh uh, i haven't seen it because i don't think it's been produced in in toronto is the tom stoppard plays uh the coast of utopia Okay. Which I think it's two parts um, about, uh, uh, oh, God, it's been so long, Russian revolutionaries. Um, But again, something like that is so epic and so dense. So I think, you know, uh, reading it, you you absorb it in a different way. Is there a playwright whose work you will read, like like it'll come out and you're like, I've got to get the the latest by this person? Or is there an author who, as soon as their work comes out, you're like, I'm on it? Um, authors, authors for sure. Okay. Like, you know, we talked about Jonathan Franzen, sure. uh, Zadie Smith. I really love the British author, Zadie Smith. Again, I've only read two or three of her titles and mm-hmm. she has a lot. Um, Jennifer Egan, who wrote, uh, A Visit from the Goon Squad, which I think I also gifted Amanda okay. at one point. Um, John Irving, I've sort of fallen off with, but I, I keep, I would love to pick him back up again. Okay. Uh, I love Bill Bryson is one of my favorite authors. Okay, but you read nonfiction. I do. And I, do I don't. Lo- I okay. read a little bit of nonfiction, mm-hmm. but not not as much as I should probably. No, you read what you read what speaks yeah. to you. I love nonfiction. I don't know what it is about nonfiction, because on paper you wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, Marco's a nonfiction reader," but I do. Mm-hmm. I do love nonfiction, and in fact. If I were to do uh, record audiobooks, which is a goal of mine, oh, mine too. I would love mine to too. do nonfiction. I recently had to make an audiobook demo, which was harder than I thought it would be. Right, right. They're not easy, and uh, recording an audiobook can be quite grueling. I've mm-hmm, been told, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it would be a passion of mine, yeah, for certain. Daniel, we've come towards the end of this episode i just want to say i love libraries i love libraries all the books that we've mentioned you most probably can find in your library what 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 do you love about libraries um i love 
going in there without a goal. Mm-hmm. And I found I found several books that I've re- that I've loved recently. Um, that it was it was by an author that I wasn't familiar, and I picked up because the title looked cool or the spine looked cool sure. or, or you know for whatever silly reason. Um, but I found quite a few books that have really resonated with me just just from you know killing killing time and, and just picking up something that I hadn't heard of. Amazing. Thank you. I want to send a special uh, heartfelt love to the Waterloo Public Library System, my favorite. Couldn't Libraries. escape if I wanted to. I love them. They they had me in as a guest speaker, and I met such wonderful people in Waterloo who oh, are part of that library system. And, you know, people who love libraries are great people is how I'm going to end today's episode. Thank you, Daniel, once again for being a part of the Insomni Project. Anytime. We hope you listen and sleep.